2 Samuel chapter 13, 2 Samuel chapter 13 in the New King James Version, New King James Version, uh, verses 9 through 20. Um, And she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, have everyone go out from me. And they all went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing, and I, where could I take my shame? And we got a baby room. And as for you, you would be like one of these fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice, and being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. So she said to him, No, indeed, This evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her. Now she had on a robe of many colors for the king's virgin's daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Lord, bring a word for your people for this 11 o'clock moment. Deal with my heart. Deal with my spirit. Deal with my frailties. Deal with my sinful nature. Deal with my shortcomings. Deal with my tongue. Deal with my disobedience. Deal with my lack of diligence. Deal with all my weaknesses so that they may become strengths for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to speak to you from the subject. God didn't make no holes. God didn't make no holes. I know it could say God didn't make any holes, but it just felt like you hear me a little more if I say God didn't make no holes. First of all, I apologize for, to some for the uncut title. However, abuse starts verbally, and most of all, but not all, but most domestic abuse is male against female. And this is one of the words that is used to dehumanize and disempower women. 
Amnon was wicked. He brutally raped his sister Tamar. He destroyed her destiny and her future. He slashed her esteem. He spoiled her integrity. He broke her femininity, taking no regard of her feelings. He destroyed her character. She went into his room a virgin with a future. She came out broken, sad, disgraced, and depressed. This story from 2 Samuel 13 is one of the most, is one of the saddest stories in the Bible. It also reveals what people can do to one another when left alone without God. When Amnon was alone with Tamar, he destroyed her. The body survived, but her femininity was destroyed. She felt as though she would never be the woman that she, had, she would have been had it not happened. Have you ever had anything happen to you that changed you forever? Somehow you were able to survive, yet you knew you would never be the same. Maybe you spent every day slumped over since then. You could in no way lift up yourself. You've come to church and you shout and you sing and you dance. But when no one is looking, when the crowd is gone and the lights are out, you're still that trembling, crying, bleeding mass of pain that is abused by our bent backward and crippled. Maybe you are in church, but you are in trouble. People move around you and you laugh and even entertain them. You are fun to be around, but they don't know. You can't seem to talk about what happened in your life. After Amnon raped her, the text in verse 15 informs us that Amnon hated her exceedingly after he violated her. The text also reveals to us in the next verse that being rejected by him hurt Tamar even more than being raped by him. Tamar lost her virginity and her self-esteem because she was raped. Some ladies that lose their virginity before marriage will lose it because uh, they, they, they may not be raped, but, they, but they're manipulated by these words. If you really love me, you do it. Oh, yeah, 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 don't hear me. I, I know I got to turn in my player card, but, but, but you, you tell them, if you really love me, you will wait or put a ring on. Don't give any man your body and soul before he marries you. He cannot be trusted with that much of you before he's totally committed in a covenant relationship. Just say no. True love waits. Maybe you have gone through divorces and tragedies and adulterous relationships and you've been left feeling unwanted. You can't shout over that sort of thing. You can't leap over that type of wall. It injures something about you that changes you, how you relate to everyone else for the rest of your life. Amnon didn't even want her afterwards. She pleaded with him, don't throw me away. She was fighting for the last strands of her femininity. Amnon called a servant and said, throw her out. The Bible says he hated Tamar with a greater intensity than he loved her before. I know you think that man loves you because he, you know, putting in pipe. I'm sorry, I told you read Peter 13. But God knows that Amnon is your life, in your life really doesn't love you. He's out to abuse you. The servant picked Tamar up, opened the door, and threw the victimized woman out. She lay on the ground outside the door with nowhere to go. She told the servant, lock, he told the servant, lock the door. This is in essence what America sometimes does to women and minorities that are violated that speak up. Yeah, they, they tell them to be quiet. They throw them out of their careers. They, they don't let them quarterback no more. They, 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 they don't let them uh, be in the front office anymore. See, but they blacklist them and lock the door to their futures. 
Oh, what do you do when you are trapped in a transitory state, neither in or out? You're left lying at the door, torn up and disturbed, trembling and intimidated. The Bible says she cried, filled with regrets, pains, nightmare experiences, seemingly unable to find relief, unable to rise above it. She stayed on the ground and cried. She had a coat, a cape of many colors. It was a sign of her virginity and, and of her future. She was going to give it to her husband one day, but she ripped it up, meaning I have no future. It wasn't just he, that he took my body. He took my future. He took my esteem and value away. You have been physically or emotionally raped and robbed. You survived, but you left a substantial degree of self-esteem in Amnon's bed. Can you find yourself again and become that woman you were before? The Lord says, I want you. I will give you power for living. No matter how many men like Amnon have told you, I don't want you. God says, I want you. I've seen you been over. I've seen the after effects of what happened to you. I've seen you at your worst moment. I still want you. God doesn't judge you by your mistakes or disgrace. He has not changed his mind. He loves you with an everlasting, unconditional love. In the movie Crash, the movie used a car accident to show how when automobiles collide, they cause damage to both property and people that are associated with and around the accident. The movie also showed how colliding lives also affect the people involved and the people around them. Crashing relationships have collateral damage, whether it is in the corporate office, a ministry, or family. That jarring and shaking does varying degrees of damage to everyone involved. Whether uh, we like to admit it or not, we are affected by the actions of others to various degrees. I know we say it don't bother us, but it bothers you a little bit. The amount of the effect, though, depends on the nature of the relationship. The important thing to know is that we don't have to die in the crashes and collisions in life. Just like you have to wear a seatbelt when you drive in your car, you need to wear your emotional and spiritual seatbelt as you ride through life. We don't need a seatbelt that harnesses us and, and makes us live like mannequins. Rather, we need the kind of invisible but greatly appreciated in the crash. Inner insurance, inner insurance is the seatbelt that stops you from going through the roof when you get rejected. It is inner assurance that holds you in place. It is the assurance that God is in control and that what he has determined, no one can disallow. If he said it, he, he was going to do it and bless you, then disregard the mess. Believe a God who will not lie to you. The rubbish can be removed and the wounds can be healed. Just be sure that when you, the crash is over, you are still standing. You are too important to the purpose of God to be destroyed by a situation that is only meant to build your character and give you direction. No matter how painful or devastated or disappointed you may feel, you are still here. Praise God for, for he develop, uh, will develop and perfect you through the rejection and fair relationship. Pull yourself up. It could have killed you. Somebody else didn't make it. Hey, 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 somebody else. You got to let yourself know that I'm alive. I can laugh. I can have fun. I can cry. And by God's grace, I'm more than a survivor. I know I survived, but I'm more than a survivor. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Stop letting your past. And see, some of us keep looking back, oh, this happened to me and this happened to me. Yeah, it happened, but it killed somebody else. Somebody else committed suicide. Some, somebody else died. Somebody else didn't make it. When Jesus encountered 
the infirm woman of Luke chapter 13, he called out to her. They have, I'm sure there was many fine brick house women in the crowd, but the Lord didn't call them forward. No, he reached around all of them and found that crippled woman in the back. He called forth the wounded, hurting woman with a past. He issues the spirit's call to those whose value and self-esteem have been destroyed by the intrusion of uh, uh, vicious circumstances. The infirm woman must have thought, he cares about me. He, he cares about me. I'm, I'm frayed and torn, but he cares about me. I have been through trouble. I have been through this trauma, but he wants to help me. Perhaps she, she, she thought no one would ever care about her again, but, but Jesus did. He had a plan. She may have known that it would take a while for her life to be completely put back together. She had many things to overcome. She was handicapped. She was probably filled with insecurities, yet Jesus still called her forth for his touch. If you can identify with the feelings of this infirm woman, then know that he's willing and waiting on you and that he wants to connect with you. He sees you struggling. He knows all about your pain. He knows what happened to you 10 years ago, five years ago, and even yesterday, with patience, he waits on you. Jesus says to the hurting and crippled, I want relationship with you enough to wait on you to hobble your way back home. When the infirm woman came to Jesus, he proclaimed her freedom. And when he did, he, she stood erect for the first time in 18 years. When you come to Jesus, he will cause you to stand in his power, his anointing, his love. You will know how important you are. Part of your recovery is to learn how to stand up and live in the now of life instead of the then and of yesterday. Some of us continue to make present day decisions based on historical pain. You got to forget what happened to you yesterday, baby and press toward the mark of his holy call. Stop worrying about what happened to you yesterday. Stop worrying about what happened to you last year. Don't even worry about the past victories because sometimes even victories get you caught up. You got to look toward the heathen which come to your help and stop looking backwards. All you need to do is allow his power and anointing to touch the hurting places. He will take care of the secrets. He touches the places where you've been assassinated. He knows the person you would have been, the person you should have been, the person you could have been. God heals and restores as you call out to him. The enemy wants to change your destiny through a series of events, but God will restore you to wholeness as if the events had never happened. Come on, somebody. God will redeem the time. He's delivering, he's delivering you by the power of his spirit, victorious power, the anointing power of the living God is reaching out to you. He calls you forth to set you free. When you reach out to him and allow the Holy Spirit to have his way, his anointing is present and will mend your broken pieces. Demons will tremble. Satan wants to keep you at the door but never let you enter. He wants to keep you down but now his power is broken in your life. See, how much more would we see God if we could remove all the buildups that clog the arteries of our hearts and keep us from seeing the glory of God? These are obstacles that keep us seeking the wisdom of men and women rather than the wisdom of God. These are obstacles that make us feel insecure while we wait on our answer. These are obstacles that keep many well-meaning Christians needing prayer rather than giving prayer. In short, let's clean out our hearts and we, so we can hear worship 
worship and experience God in a new dimension. Clean out every thought that hinders the peace and power of God. Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The scripture clearly draws a line of prerequisites necessary to see God in the fullness, the fullest sense. Jesus caught that, taught that the pure of the heart could see God. This is why David cried out and said, create in me a clean heart in Psalms 51. See, the term used in Matthew 5, 8 for pure heart comes from the Greek word uh, katharos, K-A-T-H-A-R-O-S, which means to clean out, much like a laxative. <laughs> Jesus saying, give your heart a laxative when you have heard too much or seen too much. Don't, don't carry around what God wants discarded. Stop dwelling on the path of stuff you messed up. Give your heart a laxative and get rid of every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us. What God wants to unveil to you is worth cleaning up to see it. See, some of us can't see it because, see, that's why we got to have praise and worship because it's hard for me to come in here and preach to you or even if you're outside because I got to preach over all the garbage that happened to you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then sometimes you don't get here early enough to at least be in your car and hear the anointed praise of God. God, you can't preach on top of all that garbage. You got to clean your heart out. You got to say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. You got to stop being mad. I almost didn't preach. I was so vexed. I was so irritated this morning because stuff wasn't going right and I was going to call other folk to come in here and do it and Daniel said you know what you need to do? I said what? You need to go put your headphones on go sit in the office and listen to your worship music like you to do and you didn't come out you'll be alright. Lord have mercy. The wisdom from Daniel. Hallelujah. The Lord is real ain't he? <laughs> Tamar knew. Tamar knew the feeling of desertion. <laughs> she understood that she was cast out. However, the Bible explains that Absalom took her in. You two may be lying at the door. Perhaps you didn't have anywhere to go. You may have been half and half, half in and half out. You were broken and demented and disturbed, but God sent Absalom to restore you. In the instance, in this instant, Absalom depicts the purpose of real ministry. Thank God for the church. It's the place where you can come broken and disgusted and be healed, delivered, and set free in the name of Jesus. See, Jesus said in Luke 4 and 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed. This is why we need kingdom-minded people in the church. Some people think that we are supposed to build buildings and ministries to serve on the church members as if there's some type of social club. We are supposed to receive the word, become rejuvenated for the week, and go out and bring people into the kingdom of God. God told us we are supposed to take care of the brokenhearted, the poor, and those without a voice. You may have thought that you would never rejoice again. God declared that you can have freedom in him now. The joy that, brings, uh, that, that, that he brings can be restored to your soul. He identifies with your pain and suffering. He knows what it's like to suffer abuse at the hands of others. He felt it on the cross. Come on, somebody. The Bible said he was tempted at all points, yet he proclaims joy and strength. He will give you the garment of praise instead of the garment of spirit of heaviness. Once you've called out to him, you can lift up your hands and praise. No matter what you have suffered, you can hold up your head. 
Regardless of who has hurt you, hold up your head. Regardless of what has hurt you, hold up your head. Psalms 24, 9 and 10 and NIV says, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. In Joel 2, uh, 25, he said, he will restore to you that which the cankerer and the locust has ate up. He said, I'm going to give back to you what the devil took from you. Come on, somebody. Maybe you are so ashamed of yourself or something you did that you are afraid to approach him. In Isaiah 118, to ensure that your shame cannot be an excuse not to approach him, look at what he says. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. When you have suffered, it empowers you to relate to other people through your pain. See, See, you won't look down on other folk when you done been through something. Oh, come on, somebody. See, 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 when you done fell on some hard times, and even if you're not in hard times, you remember the hard times you've been in, you got to understand God sometimes allows you to go through misery because your misery will become your ministry. And some of us are going through hell and high water and going through all these different things coming against us. But at the end of the day, baby, it, the pain is there to make sure that we are, are better people. I remember I went to buy this coat because, I, you know, I, I, used to have, I used to have money all the time. I still got it, too. But, but I'm saying I used, I used to just buy stuff. And I wouldn't look at the price. But this one day, I saw this jacket. And you know, sometimes you go see a jacket, and, and, and I knew it cost a lot when I grabbed it, and it was a Remy jacket. Nice leather. Ooh, had that jacket for a long time. And, and, and then the leather looks, it, it was like, hold on, this thing kind of messed up right here. And so you know how we get, sometimes we get that flea market, even though I was in Neiman Marcus, I had the flea market mentality, well, let's make a deal. You know, <laughs> you know how they tell you when you go to the flea market, hey, it's $5, but for you, $2.99. That's what I wanted. And so, and so the, the jacket cost a lot of money, Sister Gloria. So I said, hey, I need to get some money taken off. And I said, he said, no, you, it, it, why are you trying to do that? I said, because it, it's, it's some demarcations over here. He said, that just means it's genuine leather. I said, I can't get no discount. No, you may not. I'm like, dude, this dude ain't trying to sell me nothing, is he? He said, no, this is a Remy jacket. This is authentic leather. And the flaws let you know it's genuine leather. Oh, you got to understand what I'm saying. See, your flaws make sure you understand that you are genuine. Come on, somebody. Your setback let the world know that I'm human. Sometimes you can be so daggone holy you ain't no earthly good because you ain't never failing nothing, ain't never done nothing wrong, and you look your nose down at everybody else with your high water, highfalutin. Oh, and I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord self looking down on everybody else and can't even help anybody because you ain't never been through nothing. But let me tell you something, baby. Just keep on living, and you will be a, your life will be a Remy jacket just like mine. You will have some flaws in your life. You will have some setbacks. You will have some failures. Tamar could reason, and she could minister to a whole bunch of different women because of her experience she went through. Oh, like Tamar, you're more than a survivor. You should celebrate your survivors. Instead of agonizing off your tragedy, celebrate your victories and thank God that you made it. Use your enemies as obstacles and, and your obstacles as stepping stones. Come on, somebody. One time I was on an airplane and we was about to take off and it was around the time of 9-11 when T.D. Jakes went go, they called Maxwell. Come on, somebody. When Creflo Dollar went go, I didn't care. I felt like if I flew out there and risked my life, if I died, I knew I was going to heaven. I was already close. So so when T.D. Jason went go, Maxwell was on the aisle preaching everywhere. I was preaching more than I'm preaching now because then nobody wanted to fly in 9-11. 
And so the 9 11 happened, I was flying everywhere. And one day we we flying, uh, brother, uh, brother Nate, and, and we we about to take off. But they said the tailwind is too powerful. And the tailwind is a wind that's going the same direction you're going. And they said it's too heavy for us to lift off. So we're going to have to go to the other runway. Now I'm scared because it's 9 11. I don't know if the plane getting hijacked on the ground. I ain't never had a plane have to turn around and go another way because it's about the tailwind is too strong. He said, we got to go, and instead of taking off from the north, we got to go to the south side and take off. And south side, it already don't sound good for black folk. South side ain't never good. <laughs> I'm worried. So, 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 so we, get, we get in the airplane, and the plane turns around, and because the headwind is coming in, it, come on, somebody, it was able to lift up because of the turbulence created by the wind coming against the airplane. It was able to lift up and take off, even though it had a whole bunch of weight in it. Can I talk to you for a minute right now, baby? Sometimes you get some headwinds in your life because God is really making it a stepping stone. Every now and then, your enemy is just for you to step on their head and keep on walking where God has you going. Stop crying about your enemies because you know what, baby? He said I'll prepare a place for you in the presence of your enemy. So when they come hating on you, you get your good dishes out. You get your crystal. You don't get your paper plate. You get your good wine glasses. You get the crystal. Don't get the Chardonnay. Get, go get something expensive, baby. Get you some filet mignon because God is about to prepare a place for you in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to leave that part alone. Uh, the Holy Spirit is calling for the broken, infirm people to come to Jesus. He will restore and deliver. How do we come to Jesus? We come to his body. The church, it is the church that we can hear the word of God. The church gives us strength and nourishment. The church is to be the place where we share our burdens and allow others to help us with them. The spirit calls, the burden need only heed the call. Uh, don't, don't try to get yourself right. You, you wouldn't give yourself open heart surgery, then go to the doctor. Stop trying to get your life right, then go to church. This is the hospital. This is where the surgery takes place. This is where God cuts you in. But see, some people get mad when they get cut and they leave before the end of the sermon because the sermon going to cut you. But if I'm, a good, if, I'm a good, if I'm a good doctor, I'm going to sew you back up together. Oh, come on, somebody. They, 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 cut, they cut my shoulder so they could incision and they could put some stuff back together again. They had to put me, uh, they had to give me some uh, anesthesia. They had, to, they had to give me some pain medicine. But at the end of the day, after he cut me, he had to sew me back up together again once he put me back together. And some folk can't go to a real church because they get mad when they get cut and they walk out and they walk down the aisle and get out of church before the man of God, a woman of God, sews them back together again. This word is supposed to cut you, but it's supposed to do it because it's not a butcher. I'm not cutting you up like me. I'm not cutting you up to cut you, to cook you. I'm cutting you up to do surgery on your life. And some of y'all don't want to hear the truth and get mad when the man of God brings the word and you think the man of God mad at you. I don't even know your last name. You were talking about me. Huh? Yeah, I know somebody must have told you this. 
But see, the real saints would be like, oh, baby, you done walked down my street today. The Lord done talked to you about me. You done stepped on my toe, but I know I need a word from God. That's a true saint. But those who don't want to get better get bitter when you bring a corrective word. That's why I stopped worrying about, can I talk to some pastor for a minute? See, some of y'all want people to be like, Hercules, 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 priest Negro and stop whining. Let me get back into my sermon. Let me get out of here. Faith is what you need, but there are three tenses of faith. Uh, when Lazarus died, Martha, his sister said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would have not died. That is historical faith. It's View is digressive. Then when Jesus said Lazarus would live again, his sister Martha replied, I know he will live in the resurrection. This is futuristic. It is progressive faith. Oh, but Martha goes on to say, but even now, you have the power to raise him up again. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I, I feel like Mary and Martha. I, I don't want to worry about my historical faith. I, I already know what's back there. I, I don't want to worry about what's tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. I, I want to have some right now. I want some stuff right now because he died before the foundation of the world so I could be blessed right now. I know a lot of people sing the song, Lord, oh, when we get to that Bombay, when we all get to heaven, what a joy, of what a day of rejoicing that would be. Well, baby, I ain't trying to die today. I ain't worried about the new heaven right now. I want to know what the new New York looks like. I want to know what the new Newport News looks like. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven before I get some new shoes. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven before I get a new car. I don't want have to wait till I get to heaven before I have good relationships. You got to say, Lord, I want my stuff right now. Even after you've been through what you've been through. Even that you're going through everything. God can raise you up right now, Lazarus. It don't matter how dead your life seems. It don't matter how long you've been in the grave. It don't matter how dead your career has been. God can bless you right now. What I love about God, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and finisher. So what he's trying to tell me is this, he who began a good work in you shall finish it. If you can just keep on lipping yourself down the street, crawl if you got to. Get on your knees and look toward the hills from which coming your help even when I get knocked down. If I can just crawl to Jesus, I'll be all right because he who started it shall finish it. Hey, start that business. I know he walked out on you, but start that entrepreneurship. Start your own cleaning service. Start your own real estate. Start your own sewing business. Start your own res restaurant. Start your own cupcake sales. Do something because if he started it, if he birthed it in you, he will deliver it. You just got to push 
Oh, I know some of y'all women ought to know this. I ain't got no babies, and I, I don't want none right now, and I sure don't want to have to push them out. But the doctor said, push! He said, breathe, and push! Push! It hurt because the blessing was about to come out. He said, push! And if you're in the spirit, I need you to push until your blessing come. Tamar, stop looking for Amnon. Tamar, stop looking for Amnon to help you. Stop looking for him to save you. Man not going to save you. Your boyfriend not going to save you. Your husband not going to save you. Your wife not going to save you. Your pastor not going to save you. Your church not going to save you. The only person that can save you is Jesus. And you got to push, pray until something happens. Don't cease it because his praise shall continually be on my lips. I praise him in the morning. I praise him in the noonday. I praise him at night even though Amnon has left you by the door. Black man. I know America has done you like Amnon. You got your hands up, you still get shot. You on your knees, you still get shot. But I'm going to tell you right now, stop looking for the white man to save you. Stop looking for the black man to save you. Stop looking for the police to save you. Stop looking for the Republican to save you. Stop looking to the Democrat to save you. But look toward the hills. See, that's the whole thing. Black people, white people, Jew people, female people, male people. The problem is you keep looking for man to save you. You keep looking for Trump to save your money, and you'll vote for a racist. Yeah, you'll vote for a racist because he take care of your pocketbook. But he done been bankrupt four and five and six times. But you trust him with your money. I ain't so sure you're worried about your money as much. But you'll vote for a racist because you're worried about yourself. But it's God who gives you the power to obtain wealth. Uh, I'm, I'm just talking. I'm, I'm just talking. Vote for who you're going to vote for. But all I'm saying, all the hateful stuff that come out of his mouth and you still vote for. Because you're putting your faith in man. Some of us put our faith in Obama. And he was black. Well, some of y'all still broke. You were broke before Obamacare, and you broke while they fighting Obamacare. Because you put your faith in man. See, I, I'm going to vote, and I kind of care who the president is. But it don't matter who the president is, because I'm still going to be blessed. Because the Bible says I'm blessed in the valley and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in my coming and I'm blessed in my going. I'm blessed on the mountaintop. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed wherever it is. I'm blessed on the top. I'm blessed on the bottom. You know why? Tamar, I don't care what you've been through. He will 
give you a good measure blessing. Press down, shake it together, and run it over. He will. I'm trying. I'm trying to talk to somebody because you're worried about man. Yes, vote. We need a vacuum. This is like a mess. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just kept looking at them like, man, what is this? Somebody's living room? <clears throat> Tamar, whether you're a man or woman, Tamar, Tamar, he's coming to save you. Tamar, I know you're ashamed, but he's coming to save you. Tamar, I know they put you outside, but he's coming to save you. Whatever your name is, just put your name in the midst of her name. It don't matter if you're a man or a woman. Tamar, they're coming to get you even though you're unemployed. He's coming to get you. Aren't you tired of being at the cusp of a breakthrough? Don't sit at the door waiting on Amnon to bring you in. Why she kept sitting there? If somebody rejects you, dust your feet off and keep on walking. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're worried about folks that don't want you. Walk on by. Took me back to Isaac Hayes. Walk on by. If you don't want me, leave. Leave. Don't try to make nobody love you. Don't try to make anybody give you an opportunity. Don't try to make anybody give you a job. Don't try to make anybody give you a reference. God is the author and finisher of your faith. Don't you be sitting at the door like Tamar, waiting on Amnon to come get you, waiting on your abuser to come back and hit you again. You better look toward the hills when it's coming to your help. Don't look for America to save you. <clears throat> Don't look for the justice system to save you. You better go to a power higher than the justice system. The scales are uneven to let you know. I used to always wonder why they ain't had the scales equal. But they, the scales of justice, they letting you know they're going to treat somebody better than the other. I think it's a visualization of what they really meant. If you really want to justice, can't can you put it? But I can't worry about them scales. Because I know if I'm this color, I'm going to get a little worse than the other color. You understand what I'm saying? I, I know yeah, some of y'all don't think I'm preaching, but I'm still preaching because some of y'all got to be delivered from this because you keep looking for people to save you. You're looking for people to save you that don't like you. You're looking for people to save you that have oppressed you for 400 years. You're looking for people to save you that put you in slavery. I ain't talking about everybody, but I'm just saying, you're looking for a country to save you. You're looking for them to validate you when you say black lives matter. You're looking for them to validate you when you say justice ain't fair to your people. Stop worrying about their opinion and just speak the truth. Worrying about nobody else's opinion? Let their opinion be whatever. They don't know. Stop trying to make people understand that don't care. But put the word out there because his word we're not returning to him void. That's why I speak it. That's why I hang around the police. That's why I'm a police chaplain. That's why I'm on the police foundation. Because I'm going to speak truth to power wherever I am.
But I don't care if you agree or not. Church folk, what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? Some of y'all too sweet. That might be a double-edged sword on that one. But some of y'all too sweet, you ain't salty enough. You always worrying about people approving what you say. Always worrying about being politically correct instead of saying what thus says the Lord. Look toward the hills and what comes your help. Look for God. Don't look for anybody but him. He will make a way out of no way. 